Hello, and welcome to Patty's Got Your Six.com. I'm Patty, and I'm with my spotter, Kathy, the lovely wife of mine. Hello. Kathy, can you tell the people out there how they can get hold of us or follow us? Yeah, you can check us out at veteranshelpingheroes.com. And we're also on Facebook and now Instagram. That's a whole new thing, too. So check us out, veteranshelpingheroes.com or pattysgotyoursix.com. All right. Place. And uh, today's guest is Gary L. Penrith. Uh, he served at the FBI for 24 years, an Army veteran. Uh, he served as director for the Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation. Um, what has, where, when do you sleep? Newport Township <laughs> Public Safety Foundation, which we're very familiar with. Um, two degrees. Uh, you went to a program in Harvard for management. Um, you served as SAC in San Diego and Deputy Assistant Director of the Intelligence Division. Now, did you ever sleep, or wh- where do you get all your energy from? <laughs> it kept me busy back then. There you go. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Good to be here. All right. So you're an Army veteran, and you got two degrees. So tell us about your degrees. Well, my first degree was a business degree, Bachelor of Business at the University of Miami. And I went through ROTC there, Army ROTC. Graduated from there. I went out to University of Southern California to get a master's degree in finance. And didn't make the graduation ceremony at USC because the Army said they needed me <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> so I missed that. There you go. Uh, okay, so how did you get involved with the FBI? Was that your goal, or is that what you always wanted to do? Well, and the I reason I ask is a lot of veterans, the young guys coming out, want to get into law enforcement, whether it's FBI, DEA, whatever it is. And um, if you can give them some guidance or advice, it would be greatly appreciated. Well, I went to, I, was, I came out when I graduated, in, uh, when I got out of the Army in 1966, uh, had a family company here in Chicago in the insurance business, and I always assumed, that's the business I was going in. That's what I had a degree in finance and business. Um, tried that for just about two years. Uh, either they didn't like me or I didn't like them. But anyhow, <laughs> it didn't work out looking for family. Uh, and I was lucky enough to meet my bride, Lynn, and she was working for the FBI at that time. No kidding. Yeah, and we started dating and double dating. We did that back then. And everybody we double dated with were FBI agents. Wow. And it sounded a lot more interesting than selling insurance. <laughs> so I wonder what the background check on you was that your wife did. <laughs> it was interesting. It was an interesting uh, holy cow. That's amazing. But they, they, all the agents were telling how much fun they had every day going to work. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember when I had a fun day selling insurance. Right. So I said, I'm going to try that. And my wife, of course, said, you'll never get in. <laughs> and that sort of made me go forward <laughs> faster. As you've been there 24 years, and you're involved in some uh, high-profile cases, to say the least. Uh, one I'm familiar with is D.B. Cooper, the gentleman who jumped out of the aircraft, and uh, never we never found him. I have two cases. That I think probably there's only two cases the Bureau hasn't found somebody on. I had D.B. Cooper, which we never found who up that really was. We found some of the money. And I had James Hoffa, and they're still digging up places That's right. in New Jersey. That's right. Hoffa was never. Him. So those are my wonderful successes <laughs> with the Bureau. And you were involved with the Patty Hearst case also? Is that true? I, w- I was involved with the Patty Hearst case um, because the first thing that the Simeonese Liberation Army, right. that's the ones who uh, kidnapped her, 
did was they shot uh, school superintendent Marcus Foster in Oakland. And I was working back then on the black extremist desk. They don't have black extremist desk anymore in the bureau. Right. But they thought it was probably a white-on-black killing. So it came to my squad. I was running the squad at the time. Once Patty got kidnapped, which was several months later, I think, in February. It started in November. In February, they kidnapped her and moved to a different squad. But we worked it because we identified, our squad identified, most of the Symbionese Liberation Army people. Wow. And you didn't, uh, what was the basketball player's name that was involved in that? Billy Walton. Did you get to talk with him? No, no, I didn't. But Patty Hearst was the only one federally prosecuted in that case. No kidding. Yes, there was other people who were prosecuted, but they were prosecuted by the state. Not the feds. Because the charges were stronger against them statewide. Um, Billy Walton helped her go across country. And I did go and <laughs> interview uh, Patty after she got released and pardoned. Uh, at her house in Hillsborough um, to see if she'd be willing to furnish information on the transportation that Walton gave her across country right. from California to the East Coast. It was an interesting uh, interview because she had her dog, Errol, with her, <laughs> which was a German <laughs> shepherd that was growling at my feet the whole time I was interviewing her. There you go. And uh, I said, ah, I don't know if this is going to work. But <laughs> we had a good talk. And the federal and the United States attorney there decided not to prosecute Bill Walton. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but leaving there with two other agents who have since passed away, um, we found out that we had locked the keys in the bureau car, (laughs) which is a little embarrassing, to say the least. And so when the maid came out, we asked if she had a coat hanger. There you go. Yeah. And we were attempting to get in the bureau car when Patty walked out with her bodyguard, who later became her husband. Right, right. And, and said, I'd like to help you, but they didn't tell me how to break in the cars. <laughs> wow. That was bad. Wow. <laughs> I didn't tell the boss that. But of course not, no. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh. And then uh, the case that I was particularly interested in was the, um, the uh, kidnapping of the Exron CEO of International... Um, Pat Retzel and his, his her husband, that's his wife, and his name was Sidney Retzel. And what I read on it is this was a textbook perfect investigation by you. You got a lot of accolades, to say the least. Uh, it was an interesting kidnapping because we had, uh, at one time, I think we had over 100 agents working on that case. Um, and it went for a long time. I forget how many months that we worked that case. It was a tough case. Because we had just had a previously, within a month before, another executive from an oil company uh, disappear. But his situation was that he was leaving his wife and he ran away with his girlfriend. So here you start, <laughs> here you start with a car with a motor running at the end of the driveway. Right. At 7 o'clock in the morning, you're saying, do we got another case? Is this really a kidnapping? Right, right. So that was interesting. You had a lot of different police agencies involved. But... It was 15, I think 15 or $18 million they demand. Maybe 18.5. That was the highest ransom ever. Right. Ever demanded in the, in the United States. And Exxon wanted them back. And we said, we'll make up a dummy package and stuff like that. I said, no, no, no. We want to pay in cash the whole amount that they're demanding. Wow. So they delivered that <laughs> to the house. Right. Uh, I was there shortly after it got there. Um, 
little nervous about the 18.5 million being around because we didn't, if they were calling themselves uh, the Rainbow Warriors. Right, Warriors the environmental. Rainbow, so we didn't know if we were working with a terrorist gang right, type right, situation right. or eco-terrorist because they were talking about how um, Exxon was messing up the ecology and all that stuff. So we didn't know what we had, but I didn't like the 18.5 million sitting in the garage with few agents around, not many, so. I call the SWAT team. I said, put the SWAT team <laughs> on it because I had signed for the 18.5 million. Wow. I didn't want to lose that. I didn't have that. So there you go. But Holy. it was a good one. And, th and then how did it happen? He went to get his paper in the driveway. He went to get his paper in the driveway. And uh, they'd been looking, well, we found out later, obviously, that they'd been scoping that place out for months before that. Um, they put him in a van. Um, Where did this happen? Sorry. Uh, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, New okay. Jersey. You're right. Mm hmm um, and they put him in a van. He fought him a little bit, and the gun went off that they kidnapped and utilized. Right. I think it caught him in the arm or the shoulder. Um, but they got him in that van and took him out of there. And then it was a bunch of notes and telephone calls wow. for a long period of time. We, I think at one time when we caught him, we had about 104 agents looking at public telephones right, right. in New Jersey. Wow. And you had hour shifts. Right. That's Talk a little boring. That's, that's a not a fun job. Low tech approach. Oh, but yeah. you had one <laughs> female agent that posed as his daughter, and she's the one who found him making a phone call. No, she was with she was in the car with the eighteen point five million dollars with one of the heads of Exxon Security and uh -huh. another agent. One of our agents sitting in the car that night, we always said the line's hot, meaning obviously the call the Kidnappers are on the phone. Um, said, "I think I got your guy." I said, "What? He? We're listening to it." She takes down what well, she saw him on a public telephone, which I guess don't think they have anymore in this world. But right, yeah, that's telephone. for sure. Saw him in a telephone booth. This guy with gloves on and a mask. I said, "This, this could be a clue here. <laughs> <laughs> this could be it." And she wow. wrote down the break of the car and got the license number. She didn't spoke him. She put that out on the air. Of course, we had a lot of cars in the area, so wow. it was uh, it was a good call. It was all it was all interesting because it was female agents that really worked that case. The case agent was a female, right? Agent. Of course, when I came in the bureau, no such thing as female agents. I could imagine, yeah. Until Hoover died in '72, but it was female that identified him, female that basically arrested him, female dog that eventually found the body. Buffy was the dog. Wow, found the body. I said, this is a good, good program for the <laughs> women's right. agents, you know. Time, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Now, when he was arrested at the phone booth, was, um, was he was he dead already, Mr. Russell? Well, he was arrested at the phone booth. We followed him, and we followed him to the rental car place ah. where he had rented the car at, and mm -hmm. he was going to be picked up by his wife. She told her to meet her there. That was her deal. Once they set the program up, so. She met him there, and that's where we arrested him at the Betty's rental car, I think it was. Wow. And, and then his wife was a piece of work, too, I understand. Interesting, yeah. She's out now. She's living in someplace in downstate Illinois, as a matter of fact. She only got 20 years, I believe. Yeah, 20, and I think she got out after 15 or 17. And she didn't want to go to prison because she didn't want to ruin her tan. That's what <laughs> That's what she says, as a matter of fact. It's she's unbelievable. Uh, it, He's in, and he'll hopefully never get out. Good, he'll good. He'll never get out. But that's an amazing story, and you were quite tight with Mrs. Russell. And 
and helping yeah, we, solve we the came, case. We, we ran the, for a short period of time, I shouldn't say a short period, probably two months, we ran the case out of her house because she really wanted the agent there. We later moved it to a police station location. But, uh, yeah, it got pretty close. And, See, you know, on, on kidnapping, it's interesting because the first ones, you, I don't want to say you suspect, but you have to learn what was going on in the family. Absolutely. Was anybody having problems? Right. Was there any drugs in it? Sure, Was sure. Any divorce? Because they're asking for $18.5 million. So we've stayed at the house. So I spent a lot of time talking to Mr. Reese. And she was very religious, very devout. Very devout. She prayed every day. Oh, oh boy. What a tragedy. Unbelievable. And the people that did it um, worked at Exron for a sec- security agent? or The guy, the gentleman that did it, yeah. Uh, he worked, he, he was head of security for Exxon for a while. Wow. Unbelievable. Yep. Oh, what a case that was. And you've done some uh, some amazing other cases. Now if we can get into the uh, Penrith Award, if you can tell us about that. Penrith Award started when I was asked to... Oh, this was, the Pepsi Award was the National Executive Institute Associates. This was a, a group organization put together by the FBI where they called in the, the bosses of the FBI, uh, different field officers, the SAC special agents in charge, and the chiefs of police of major uh, police departments, and they put them through uh, two, three two-period courses. Anyhow, that was the National Executive Institute Associates. And then we met every year for 20-some years in Sun Valley, Idaho. My dad was uh, shot in Chicago, shot and killed in Chicago in 64 in a burglary attempt. I think it should be a burglary attempt, a robbery attempt of our house. And uh, the police did an excellent job. I mean, they caught the people. Unfortunately, several of them were acquitted. Uh, they're gone now. Um, but... I this is in I the north side of Chicago? North side of Chicago, Saganesh, wow. Cicero and Peterson, in the garage. Nothing happened in Saganesh when, <laughs> when I was growing up. No, it was it was a pretty quiet place. Oh, my God. So anyhow, we started this award in honor of my dad. I started this award in honor of my dad. And how old are you at this time? Um, I was, how old was I, about 12? Um, probably in my early 30s. Wow. In my early 30s. Actually, my dad got killed. Well, I was at uh, my second um, training course for the the um, Army. I went through infantry school in Benning, and I was going through uh, finance school in Fort Benjamin Harrison, which is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And he got shot while I was at Fort Benjamin Harrison. So that was in 65. Wow. So I hadn't gone in the Bureau because I didn't go into FBI until 68. 68. And Chicago was in turmoil, huh? It was unbelievable. You had the convention. I'm, I was old enough to remember that in 68. It was, it was I think we get to see it again. <laughs> no, I hope not. My right? wife took Isn't over my apartment. One? I left town. I went out of country before I went in the bureau, and she took it over because she had all the stenographers from the FBI that were working 20-hour shifts. could imagine. Think. So wow. they all stayed in my uh, apartment, which was nice and close to Lincoln Park, so I got to see some of the police activity in the neighborhood. Good Lord. Crazy. And some of the uh, recipients of the Penrith Award, can you tell us about them? Um, the first one was Neil Behan, who was the chief of police, and I think he was out, I mean, could probably be wrong here, out of uh, New Jersey. Um, uh, Terry Hilliard, the chief yes. of police in Chicago. We know him very well. Good man. He was a super guy, a super guy. Fellow Marine. Yeah, I understand that. 
And so they have it, and they still have the award going today. They kept it going. I, I was the president of the National Executive Institute Associates for I think 22 years. Wow. So I loved it, and it was a good time. We had our, our meetings and had very, very interesting talkers. That came I could imagine. And what's the criteria to, to be uh, awarded one? Oh, well, it's picked by previous recipients. Wow. So the bureau stays away from it. This is after our first five were picked. We said, let them pick out the best that they think that have done the best work that year in the law enforcement field. That's a really neat approach. It is. It's yeah. a great approach. And then uh, I can spend all day on what you're involved in with these. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation. What an organization. If you could tell us about that. That's phenomenal. I got involved in that. I was a uh, uh, special agent in charge of the Newark Division, uh, I guess in 90, and I forget. I think they started around 88 or 87 by Bill Kellstrom, who was a former Marine, and and he was an FBI agent. In fact, he ran the, the New York office for a while, which is a very prestigious office. But he wanted to get the FBI involved, obviously, because he was in the FBI. Sure. So he went outside of the Marine obviously took Marines, went outside of that and wanted to bring law enforcement heads into the organization at the same time. And we collect a ton. They collected then, and they're still collecting now, a ton of money from big donors and give away, I can't even tell you how many scholarships, millions and millions of dollars worth to uh, to, um, kids of uh, Marines that were killed overseas, and not just Marines. It was it's army. They go the whole oh, military yeah, ball yes. game, and they put their kids through college a hundred percent. And it was established what year? I would say I went in in six. I would have been there in fifty nine or sixty. I think it was fifty seven or fifty eight. Wow. Oklahoma City bombing. They raised or gave thirty two scholarships, awarding a total of two hundred and sixty thousand uh, dollars. Ninety six. They raised more than $400,000 to distribute eight forty-seven um, scholarships. 9-11 terrorist attack, invasion of Afghanistan, $1.6 million. Invasion of Iraq, 402 recipients, $11 million. I can go on and on and on. It's amazing the money you raised and all the people you helped doing it. God yeah. bless you. It was, it was wonderful. And it's I had the opportunity here, and I don't remember the name of the family here, but it was in Gurney. I had the privilege of taking a lot of checks to a family with four kids. Oh, here. that's got to be it great. Was, it was really, really felt good. It really did. Wow, amazing. So, again, if um, young veterans are just getting out of the military, what do you suggest or what do you recommend that they do if they want to get into law enforcement and or you don't, have to marry, you don't have to marry an FBI stenographer. <laughs> I would recommend. No, the, I, I shouldn't say that. I would <laughs> But uh, today it's a little different getting in. I've been out a long time, like I told you. I've been retired 30 now, 30 years. Um, now they go for specialties. They, they look for language specialties. Okay. Um, a lot of that. Um, a lot of computers-related stuff because they're doing a lot, obviously. Hacking. Hacking and, and the yeah. whole ballgame. So they, they look for different areas of concern, obviously. Uh, they're trying to quite get everything equal. To be able to, females have, a little, I think, a little bit better shot. Probably shouldn't be said, but they do. They have a shot, and they want, they want more in there. Sure, sure. They're running. Uh, females are running a lot of the 59 field offices of the Bureau now. Um, 
But it's a specialty type of thing. And your best thing is to call or go online, probably go online and see what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So you yep. can guide yourself through college <laughs> with your majors and yep. stuff. And then they require, I think they still require, two years outside experience. So if you can get the experience in the field of computers or language ability sure. type of thing, that'll always help you. All but right. they're hiring, and they're, and they're getting a lot of applicants again. They'll slow there for a while. Right, it's right. real strong now. Good, good. Well, I appreciate your time there, and everybody. We've been talking to Gary Penrith, and uh, an amazing individual, and some great advice given to us today. So uh, if you like our podcast, pass it along, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Patty. Thank you. Okay. It went well.